Hey everyone, my name is OJ Tucker, host of the OJ Tucker podcast, the only comedy tennis podcast that talks about political and societal culture as a whole. My name is OJ Tucker, as the name would suggest. Happy Thursday. Hopefully you guys enjoyed your long extended break due to MLK Day. Uh, spending time with your family or friends, watching the beginning of the Australian Open as well. There's a little bit of news that we're going to do for today, interesting news outside the tennis world. Uh, I do want to discuss most Def's comments on Drake. So this happened on Saturday, and most Def was asked about Drake in a podcast. And he sort of he sort of had an equivalency of Drake's music to shopping at Target, which I thought was a really interesting way of breaking it all down. Uh, but I do want to discuss it. I do want to discuss his overall comments on Drake because I do think that there's some validity to it. Um, do I agree with him wholeheartedly? Not really. Uh, there are there are things that I do question it, but overall, it's uh, it's most deaf, so it's very difficult to really question him in a critical way because he did make some of some of hip hip hop's best albums, right? I mean, Black on Both Sides is an album that I haven't heard in quite some time, but I can deny the greatness of that album, you know. So overall, I'll talk about most deaf saying Drake. Drake's music is like shopping at Target, and we'll go from there. Uh, there's also news in the political realm as well. Uh, the news within the political realm is that of, say, uh, Donald Trump winning the Iowa primary. If you guys don't know, Donald Trump won the Iowa primary uh, in apparent fashion. And to say apparent fashion would be uh, disrespect to apparent fashion. He completely destroyed the competition, um, won 50% of the vote. 60% of the vote, actually. Uh, it's, it's quite quite interesting to see that. Uh, but no, um, yeah, Donald Trump just completely, no, not 60%, 50%, 51%. Uh, the second closest was Ron DeSantis at 21%, uh, Nikki Haley at third and 19.1%, Vivek Ramaswamy at 7.7%. Vivek Ramaswamy would actually drop out of the race due to this result uh, that he gave in Iowa, which is kind of sad, to be honest with you. Uh, he put in a lot of work for Iowa. He visited all 99 counties, uh, did nearly 250 events in Iowa, um, spent nearly 10 to $15 million of his own money on his campaign for Iowa. Just not ideal. Um, but I will talk about the Iowa primary that happened on Monday and my overall thoughts on it as well. But first, let's get into some tennis news. So obviously, it's been some time since I last talked since I last talked to you guys, and it's been quite some time since I actually talked about tennis. It's been a longer time since I've talked about tennis. Uh, what? Not a lot of things have have since transpired since then. Um, obviously, the start of the major of the Australian Open has started. Uh, obviously, I, I haven't discussed, talked to you guys since last week and. This week was the start of the Australian Open. I don't think I mentioned that in the last podcast that it, this next week was the Australian Open. And when I mean the next week, I mean this week was the start of the Australian Open. I, did, I don't think I mentioned that. So um, my apologies for that. Uh, but there are there is a dark cloud that's looming over the tennis world right now. And that is the Sasha Zverev of domestic abuse allegations that have been surfaced, that have resurfaced uh, due to the Breakpoint documentary uh, that was released on Netflix. So if you guys don't know, Sasha Zverev starred in a documentary on Netflix for season two of Netflix's Breakpoint. Um, I'm not a big fan of the series. There's a lot of criticisms that I have on the series itself. I think it doesn't do a good good enough job at explaining the psyche of tennis players. I don't think it does a good enough job at explaining the X's and O's that go into a point or the thought processes that go into making sure that a player wins a certain point or game. Um, so there are questions that I have about the documentary. And again, maybe I'm, nit I'm nitpicking, but in terms of introducing the game to new fans i don't think it does a good enough job of that and hopefully with some tweaks to the overall show it can be better for everyone involved but for now i, I just don't really see I, i'm just not that invested in you know the fabulous lives of 
these tennis wives, you know, and I feel like there it is there is that running theme of like okay we got to know about the the i want to say drama behind the scenes of these players i don't want to say that but there's it's it's a lot of unnecessary moments in the documentary where i'm like what did that really need to be shown you know did that really need to be shown um again i say this as a guy that didn't watch season two so i'm not the best guy to really go for that but um Sasha Zverev starred in this documentary for Netflix's Breakpoint. I think it lasted for like a half an hour tops. Uh, but a lot of questions came as, as a result of it. And a lot of people were able to look into his past because of this documentary. And they were shocked to find out that he was accused of domestic abuse. Now, if you know my podcast channel, you know that I've talked about, I've talked about his domestic abuse allegations for quite some time now. Uh, just go through the roll decks of my videos, type in Sasha Zverev on the YouTube search feed with Ajay Tucker next to it, and you'll see like a few videos where I discuss it. But, uh, I don't know why I said but <laughs> in that way, uh, but it was always kept under, under wraps. It was always kept under duress. I felt like for a specific period amount of time, the ATP really did a good enough job at making sure that it wasn't necessarily publicized, that Zverev himself was not necessarily publicized in that light. So the fact that they just openly gave him 30 minutes of airtime to market a sport, I felt was very disingenuous. I felt that that was, a very, that was horrendous on their part. I don't know who co-signed on that to allow Zverev to be the guy to get new fans in, but he's not the person you got to go to, all right? You got to go to, you know, uh, Holger Runa or, um, you know, Kasparud. You got to have, like, a likable face with, you know, no allegations under under the belt. You know, you got to go for an Andre Rublev. You got you to gotta go for like that, that pretty face that gets a different demographic to watch men's tennis. But having the understanding that they have a clean slate and that they are not being accused of domestic abuse. You know, I, I think that that is very important as well. So the fact that they just openly put him in this documentary is crazy, but he's in the documentary and these accusations then resurface and it all culminates into him being asked in a post-match presser after his win with Dominic Cuffer, where, where he was asked about these domestic abuse allegations. But even before then, because this is also very important. This is a lot of things happened in the past few days. So it's important that, that I recap all of it. But it was also shown to light that he will stand trial for these allegations, uh, for these domestic abuse allegations in his home country of Germany. And this is from CNN. So before we get into his post-match press review, which is, I think is very, very important, I do want to break down uh, him standing trial for these allegations uh or him yeah standing trial for these allegations uh so let's let's get right into the article this is from cnn T uh, tennis player alexander zverev to face trial over physical abuse allegations uh tennis player alexander zverev is set to face trial later this year after being accused of physical abuse against a woman according to a spokesperson for the berlin criminal courts the German is accused of physically abusing and damaging the health of a woman during an argument in Berlin in May 2020, according to a court statement from October 31st, 2023. The statement said he has not he had been given a penalty order and fined 450 grand, $478,000 on October 2nd, 2023. He denied the allegations and lodged an appeal, meaning the case will be heard in a Berlin district court. The court spokesperson told CNN on Tuesday that the trial is set to begin on May 31st and couldn't run across eight days until July 19th. Um... However, the court's spokesperson said Zverev does not need to be present at the trial unless Berlin's Tiergarten district decides otherwise. If it does, that could potentially impact Zverev playing at the French Open, which runs from May 26th to June 9th, and Wimbledon, which is being staged between July 1st and 14th. Um, CNN has asked Zverev's lawyers whether he intends to be present at the trial, but has yet to receive a response. The alleged injured party has joined the proceedings as a joint plaintiff, according to the spokesperson. According to Zara's lawyers, this woman is his former partner. The courts have not named the woman. 
who is widely reported to be the mother of his child. CNN has reached out to her management team and lawyer for comment, but has not heard back. Mr. Zvera rejects the accusations made against him, Zvera's lawyer said in a statement last year. Uh, the article continues on, but first and foremost, I do want to uh, say that uh, if this does sideline him from playing French Open Wimbledon, I think that that is the best case scenario because even if he does still play for those tournaments, these questions will still permeate the tennis world. And if the ATP does very little to discipline him based off these allegations, then it can just create more whirlwind and create even more drama and unnecessarily unnecessary headlines attached to Zero's name. Now, do I think he should be suspended due to allegations alone? No, like I don't think so. I don't believe that you should be suspended due to allegations alone. Again, I think it's important that we still believe in the idea of innocent until proven guilty, and I think in his case, it's best if we believe in that. Um, but again, this is not a good look for tennis. It just isn't. You know, this is the start of the Australian Open. You know, people should be discussing. You know, Andrei Rublev uh, and his success. Novak Djokovic. I think Novak Djokovic and his uh, opponent are tied one all uh, right now. As I as I am speaking to you right now, they are tied one all, and Alexei Popovin is actually winning against Djokovic right now. The number one seed at Rod Laver Arena. He's winning against Alexei, uh, against Novak Djokovic. So they both took a set, and now Popperin is winning over Djokovic 5-4 in the third set. This is crazy. Um, I will discuss later. Uh, yeah, I, I will, I will, I will. Yeah, if, if, if he pulls off the shock win, that will be crazy. Um, but we'll stick with this. Um, so yeah, overall, I mean... It's important that it's innocent until proven guilty, you know. And for me right now, when I'm seeing where, where I'm seeing this is that it's going to be a rough year for sure. That that I can say for sure. Um, but anyways, continue with the with the article. The allegations made by the complainant on which the penalty order alone is based have already been refuted by a forensic medical expert or forensic medical report by the recognized Berlin forensic physician professor Dr. Sokos Charlotte Berlin. Okay, um, so that's also very important as well. The fact that you know it's been refuted is is, is important. A statement from Zero's lawyer quotes that report saying there are considerable inconsistencies that are not comprehensible from a forensic medical point of view, or in other words, it is practically impossible that the facts of the case occurred as alleged by the complainant. In January last year, the ATP tour announced that there will be no disciplinary action taken against Zverev after an investigation found insufficient evidence to substantiate published allegations of abuse in a separate case. In October 2021, the ATP governing body for men's professional tennis said it was launching an investigation after domestic abuse allegations were made by another of Zverev's former girlfriends, Olya Sharapova. All right, so this is also very important. So if one person is accusing you of DA, obviously that's not good, right? But there's a lot that can be refuted. When a second person is accusing you of domestic abuse, okay, then that is damning, right? I, I mean, it, it is quite damning. Um, yeah, it, when two people are accusing you of this, that's bad. Uh, based on a lack of reliable evidence and eyewitness reports, in addition to conflicting statements by Sheriff Povazirov and other interviewees, the investigation was unable to substantiate the allegations of abuse in a two statement read. Zverev, who has been named in the new ATP Player Advisory Council this year, is currently competing in the Australian Open, where he has progressed into the second round of the tournament. He was asked about the uh, case after his first round win, which it has now culminated into that, where I'll get into it. Uh, he was asked about the case after his first round win at Melbourne Park, but the German gave a prickly response when he was pushed on it by reporters. Why would it not be, he said, when asked whether it was appropriate when asked whether it was appropriate that he was on the ATP Players Council and he was still playing on the tour. All right, so there's a lot that we can break down for that. Uh, first and foremost, the biggest question that I have is, why make him on the ATP Player Council, right? If you're being accused of domestic abuse and these rumors have been in the zeitgeist of tennis for the past year or two, why would the ATP make him a part of the ATP Player Council? Why? Don't you find it a bit hypocritical to have an individual who has not been disciplined yet to then be a part of the disciplinary community? Don't you find that a bit hypocritical to, to, to see that, to know that? I don't know. I, I just find it so 
weird for that to happen. You know, I think that if you're being accused and if the allegations are that damning and that serious, then why have them be a part of the ATP disciplinary committee, right? It's just a bad look for tennis when you do that, because then it sets up a whole can of worms where now if someone is being accused of DA and the allegations are substantiated, do you think Zverev will take that into consideration? Don't you think it's a bit hypocritical for him to discipline somebody for DA if they themselves are also being accused of DA? Assuming if they had the power to discipline somebody for domestic abuse. I don't know if it's in their wheelhouse to do that. But if it is, it would be hypocritical for him to do that. So there are a lot of questions that I have about this. And overall, what I will say is, I, I think that this is a horrendous look for the ATP. I think that the fact that this has been a dark cloud over, I wouldn't say an interesting tournament, but a tournament that I think gets people in the good graces of tennis, I think that that is horrendous. Um, Iga Sviantek, I Iga Sviantek was asked about it in her in her post match press conference after her straight set went over Sofia Kennan, and I felt like her remarks were actually quite telling and i think she did a great job in, in sort of acknowledging uh the allegations and, and a lot of people were very offended that you know shriantek was asked about it on twitter like i think t tennis twitter has been like completely off for the past few months few years but i felt like this was very bad on their part where they're like oh my god how could shriantek be asked about these allegations i'm like it's her co-worker you know it's a person i mean even though they, they complete they they compete in two different leagues i mean women's women's tennis is different than men's tennis i understand that all that but it's completely rational for her to be asked about it you know and you would think as if they were asking about who her baby mama was or like who she's dating you know like you thought it was something about like her own personal life it's it's something that happened in tennis so obviously if something happens in tennis, you're going to be asked about it. You know, it's it's no different than being asked about Rafa Nadal's Saudi Arabia deal. You know, it's going to be it's going to happen. So she was asked about it. She uh, about Zero's domestic abuse case, and this is from the tennis letter. She says the following. Uh, no, she doesn't say the following. This the the question was asked in this regard. It was confirmed overnight that Alexander Zverev will face a trial in Germany of domestic violence charges. He denies that. Is it appropriate that he continues to serve on the players' council while that happens or continues to play until that is resolved? Ego. Any answer that I give, I mean, there's no good answer to that. I think it's up to the ATP what they decide. For sure, it's not good when a player who's facing charges like that is kind of being promoted, which I thought was a very telling remark. And overall, I thought that that was really good on her part to really acknowledge that at the end of it. Um, are there better ways of answering it? Sure. But I thought for what it was, I thought she did a good job at answering it to the best of her ability. And yeah, I think overall, this is not a good look for tennis. It isn't. I mean, the fact that you're having this guy being openly promoted is kind of sad, to be honest with you. Because take away the domestic abuse allegations, you know, take all away all of that, right? What has Sasha Zverev done in tennis to justify this amount of attention and this amount of scrutiny? Right? What has he done in the past two, three years to justify this amount of attention? The biggest thing he's ever done was losing five sets to Dominic Team at the US Open final, in which in that last set, he completely just phoned it in. Just horrendous half-assed serves just horrendous tennis overall if you watch that fifth set final of that u.s open it, it is horrendous what has he done since then to justify this attention what tournaments are are in, are in your mind when you think about sasha zverev right the only tournament that i think about was his dominant run at the at the madrid open and i think that was back in 2021 Maybe 2022, but I think it was pretty. I'm pretty sure it's 2021. That's the only thing I I I have in my mind about Sasha Zverev. Other than that, it's been all bad news. It's been him, you know, slashing his tennis racket again in Acapulco. It's him being accused of domestic abuse. It's 
just constant attention and news off of the tennis court or horrendous news on the tennis court that has that has nothing to do with his tennis success and i don't know i just think that for the atp to view him as a marketable asset to get in front of fans i think that is doing a massive disservice to your product when you do that there as i've said before there are so many more likable individuals that you can have in his spotlight you can have an Andre Rublev. You can have a Casper Ruud. You can have a Novak Djokovic. I mean, I think Novak Djokovic does a really good job at carrying and being an ambassador for the sport of tennis. Um, you know, you could even ask Carlos Alcaraz or Yannick Sinner, Taylor Fritz. I think Morgan Riddle, his girlfriend, who often does TikToks about tennis and you know was featured heavily and and Breakpoint. I think she does a great job at promoting the game. I think she does a a great job at that so there's so many other individuals that he can really go for to market this the 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 spread of the of the sport and again we live in the 21st century so it doesn't have to just be men as well it can also be women that can really you know spread it and, and market the game of tennis you know i mean i think coca Gauff does a great job at that Iga Sriantek does a great job at that um i don't know if naomi osaka does that naomi osaka does that because i haven't i don't remember the last time i've seen her play tennis but um you know, I, I think we live in the 21st century now, and I think in a lot of ways, women's tennis does a pretty good job at spreading attention and, and getting attention for the sport, you know? So, you know, there's so many individuals that you can really go for. And I, I just find it to be sad that they would just go for Zverev and that Zverev continues to be in the news. So I don't know. I, 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 the, my, my thoughts are everywhere. Um, yes, I understand innocent until proven guilty, right? But when there's a lot of proof, especially with the Sharapova case, where these allegations are being substantiated, when these rumors are occurring and when it's happening more than once and when there are literal videos of mine on my own channel where I discuss these allegations at nauseum it's difficult to for me to view you in an innocent lens I, i'm still going to view him in an innocent lens because i still believe in the idea of innocent until proven guilty right you know we we still have to believe in the court system um i i i believe in all that i i believe in all that but still it, it's bad when it's come to this when it culminates to this Usually the ATP and Zero to to his extent have done a good enough job to sweep this under the rug for their own PR, for their own ability to play tennis. You know they've 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 done a, a, a stupendous job, you know, an elite job at making sure that no one knows about these allegations. But the fact that he's been on breakpoint, the fact that he's been on been named as a part of the council for the atp it's gone to the point now where they can no longer sweep these allegations on the rug and this will take away significant playing time from zverev from zverev, zverev and whether he likes to admit it or not this will sideline him if he does head to trial so yeah um again there's a lot more that we can that that there can be said about that can be said about these allegations and about this entire ordeal and fiasco um but overall it's a bad look on the atp to name him on the atp disciplinary council that's that is that for one is horrendous um the fact that only one question was asked to Zverev in regards to his uh, allegations, I thought that was also bad. That was also a bad look on the reporters that were there in Melbourne. Um, yeah, just an entirely bad look for tennis. I mean, there's no two ways about it. This has been a horrendous look for tennis, and the ATP needs to do its best job to resolve this matter. And I don't think they'll do it. I really don't think they'll do it at all. I mean... They name him as a part of the ATP Player Council, despite knowing about these allegations. So 
they're not doing a good enough job at it. Um, but yeah, overall, it's 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 her it's it's a bad look for tennis. And I don't know what's next for Zarev if he continues to play. I I can imagine that the Australian Open audience will boo him if they still cheer for him. Then that is also a bad look for them as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, Josh Giddy was booed when he came back after those allegations. And they were not picked up by any major news outlet. So the fact that we have CNN talking about it, the fact that we have major publications discussing it, that matters. And again, if the ATP does not do anything about it, then that is a bad look. And that's all I will really say on the matter for now. Um, I, I, I spent a good enough job <laughs> talking about it. So for now, that is about it. I don't know if I'll, I can get into the most Dev Drake thing based off the other news that I have for today. But anyways, those are my thoughts on the uh, Sasha Zverev allegations. Leave your uh, questions, thoughts, comments down below. Uh, I can only hope for it to be... I can only hope for the comments to be peaceful. So uh, no hate, please. Uh, let's, let's make sure that it's it's a it's a good good discussion. Uh, not that I'll check it, but yeah, just make sure that it is um, that that all sides are heard and that it's not just openly hating each other for these allegations. Okay, uh, yeah. That, that's all I really want to say about the matter. But anyway, so let's get into news outside of tennis for now. Uh, I'll still update you on the Djokovic thing. Let's see if he won the third set against Alexei Polverin. All right, they won to tiebreaker, and it's 6-4, Djokovic. So yeah, he's going to win that third set. Okay, uh, looks like he's going to win uh, the second round against Alexei Polverin. Uh, I knock on wood because I don't know if it's, if it's going to happen, but... If he's leading in the tiebreaker, if he's one point away from winning the tiebreaker for the, for the third set, that's a good news. That that's good news. So we'll, we'll keep it at that. But let's get into the Iowa primary, shall we? So if you guys don't know, Donald Trump won the Iowa primary in commanding fashion. It was called, I think, a half hour after the voting ended. It, it was a quick, quick uh, result. But if you guys don't know. Donald Trump won the Iowa primary, 51%. Uh, the second closest was Ron DeSantis at 21.2%. Nikki Haley at 19.1%. Vivek Ramaswamy at 7.7%. Vivek Ramaswamy would actually end up dropping out of the race uh, because of this result. But yeah, commanding fashion, and it's going to be Trump versus Biden part two for 2024. Um, I'm not excited for it. I'm not going to vote for either candidate. Um, but what I will say is this. If Trump does win the election for the presidential election, that is not not this election because it's already said and done. He's he's won the primary, right? It's 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 all said and done, right? Just end it. It's it's all done. Super Tuesday is nearly two months away, a little less than two months away. But just wrap wrap up the result as it is. Trump is your Republican primary nominee. It's it's all but over with. Um, but I will say, if Trump does win the presidential election, which I think for now, I would still give it to Biden for now, because yes, while Trump has the more rabid fan base, I think for the collective of people in America right now, they still value just being able to enjoy life, you know, and, and not live in this 24-7 news cycle, this 24-7 reality TV show cycle that Trump brings when he's in office. And I think for a lot of people, they just want to be away from politics. I think that's one of the reasons why Biden got nominated or why Biden won the presidential election in 2020 was because of the fact that people were just drained of Trump emotionally, mentally, you know, spiritually, psychologically. They were just drained of him. They were, they, they, it felt like every day there was just another new story to be invested in and people were just done with it i think part of the reason why biden was elected in office was was because of the fact that people were just drained 
of Trump and, and the energy that he brought. And I think in a lot of ways for the average person, they view Biden as, okay, he's not the best candidate for the job, but at least he doesn't bring the 24-7 news cycle that Trump brought on a day-to-day -day basis for four years. And I, I'm afraid that when Trump, if he does win in 2024, which by polls and whatnot, it doesn't look like he will. But again, you can't really put that much stock into polls, right? You can't, you can't really put that much stock into polls. I do think that if he does win the presidential election, first off, it's 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 going to be a lot. It's going to be unnecessary drama, and that's 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 important to state. But also, I'm a comedian, and the one of the things that I really disliked about Trump when he was in office was that it made stand-up comedy that much worse. Right? Think about all the individuals that had success during the Trump era, right? Whether it was the late night talk show host where they had horrendous banal jokes that resulted in calling you know trump a cheeto or an orange man you know that was sitting and sitting in front of the sun for too long like think about all the horrendous banal jokes that were told at trump's expense and then times that by four years because that's what you're going to, you're, that's what you're going to hear for the next four years if trump is back in office so trump was bad for comedy you know because of those late night hosts but also I mean, think about Lizzie Cooper. I mean, she she was a comedian where her only success was the fact that she just lip synced to Trump talking, right? And talk about a closeted Trump supporter. I'm I'm pretty sure Lizzie Cooper is a closeted Trump supporter because that was the only success that she found in comedy was through lip syncing Trump's words on TikTok. So, yeah, I mean, honestly, I think Trump was horrendous for comedy. I, I think it it made people go for low hanging fruit. It made the audiences tense up for some of the some of for some jokes that were not dark to begin with, and are not dark in the grand scheme of things. So I, I'm not really looking forward to a Trump Biden election. I don't like either of these individuals. Um, but if if that's what people like, then that's what people like. You know, I mean, my 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 view of the average American voter is very low, um, and it it just goes lower by the election cycle. It really does. It goes lower by the election cycle. Um, so yeah, overall Trump won in a in a commanding fashion. Um, I was I'm, I wouldn't say I was shocked, but I was gonna think I was thinking that maybe that the RNC could pull like a DNC type of thing where. They have all of their politicians drop out of the race and then support the one candidate that is against the candidate that's against the system. You know, obviously back in 2020, it was Bernie Sanders. All the candidates dropped out of the race and besides Elizabeth Warren, which was like the one fake populist at the time who was still in the race. And they all decided to nominate Biden. Now, I was thinking, OK, maybe the Republicans can do that with DeSantis. But if you look at their polling numbers, even if DeSantis and Haley and Doug Burgum or Chris Christie, if even if they all decided to join together and like form a conglomerate, they would still lose to Trump by 11 points, you know, so. That shows you just how much of a stranglehold he has over the party. Now, is that is it warranted or justified? Absolutely not. I don't know what people really see in Trump to begin with. Like he seems like a snake oil salesman, a con artist. I've mentioned that time and time and time again throughout my podcast. It seems like as if he's a guy that just takes advantage of his own supporters and his own, and his own followers without really giving his followers any benefit of the doubt. Or any sort of attempts to to save grace, you know. I, I think that's also very important, you know. Where there are times where, you know, you you hear about, you know, where you, where you you where you you hear news about Trump or your you know policies that he's put into place, and you're like, okay, well, that's different than what he actually preached, you know. I mean, when he drone striked Yemen to death when he was in office, it was completely different than what we heard about when he was running for office, you know, like when, when he was running for office, he, was, he really valued and more non-interventionist foreign policy and being more isolationist as a result of it. But then when you see him drone strike Yemen and then do other actions that were against his 
campaign, like the first step act or whatnot, you're just like, okay, you're not really listening to your supporters. You're not really listening to the people that put you in office, you know? So again, I, I don't, I mean, he's, he's a politician through and through. I think he does a better job at showing that he's one of them. Maybe, maybe, maybe he does a better job of doing that. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I just, I just don't get the allure and the fixation over Trump. I just don't, I, I just find him to be a guy that operates in bad faith. I really do. I, I really do. Um, but yes, Donald Trump won the Iowa primary. He's probably going to win the New Hampshire primary as well. Uh, Vivek Ramaswamy dropped out of the race after his results in Iowa and decided to endorse Donald Trump for president, uh, which is honestly kind of a pussy move on his part, uh, if I can say that myself. Because this, I mean, Trump, Trump was the same guy that for the past week or two went after Vivek Ramaswamy hard. He went hard on Vivek Ramaswamy um, to the point where I was like, you know, he's, you know, a part of your MAGA agenda, right? Like, you know that he's still, I mean, what is the MAGA agenda now? Like, what is it? But he was a part, I mean, he's, he's still a subscriber of the MAGA movement. So again, I don't know where that hate was, came from. I mean, it seemed as if Vivek Ramaswamy was like one of the only individuals that was really carrying water for Trump and was a toady for Trump. Um, so it's kind of weird to see him be that hated by a guy that he looked up to, uh, which that, that's the bet you made, Vivek. So you got to lie in it. But yeah, it, it's it's weird to see Vivek only get 7.7% of the vote. You know, I mean, this is a guy that did nearly 250 events in Iowa, uh, visited all 99 counties, spent 10 to 15 million on ca campaign spending. Um, I mean, he put on a lot of work to lose in apparent fashion, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like you, you, I mean, you, you, you spend nearly 10 to $15 million of your own money to campaign a losing campaign. That's crazy. Uh, so that does beg the question, what is next for Vivek Ramaswamy, right? I mean, again, he's going to pull an Andrew Yang. I think he's going to pull an Andrew Yang. I think he, this was only an audition to get in a Trump cabinet position or to be an analyst for, say, Fox News or The Daily Wire. I don't know if he would be really a part of The Daily Wire because his overall politics are different. But he's going to pull a Yang. He's going to start a podcast that nobody really listens to besides people that are fans of Shane Gillis that will only listen for that one episode. Example, me. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, that's what's going to happen. You know, he's going to start a podcast. You know, it will... It will have as many viewers as this podcast as you're listening to right now. And it's going to be a fall from grace for him. You know, it really will be. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that that will be what Vivek will do. Uh, Nikki Haley came in at 19.1%. And Nikki Haley, when the race was over, said this is a now a two-person race, uh, which is... Completely dumb on her part. I, I I mean, I understand that she has favorable polling numbers in New Hampshire, especially with the more educated college, educated people. But everyone knows that she is a con artist. You know, like she wears it on her sleeve. Like she was a UN ambassador for Trump and she is the biggest Trump antagonist there is. You know, how can a person that worked in Trump's cabinet also be a person that hates on Trump so vehemently? A person that only really cares about political power and not about the political positions that she has. That's, that, that is a person that does that. A person that values political power over the political positions that can help out working class Americans. And that is Nikki Haley to the T. With the DeSantis, I mean, I, I know I spoke about Vivek Ramaswamy and what a fall from grace he had, but I don't think there's ever been a bigger fall from grace in politics than Ron DeSantis. I mean, this guy is, I mean, he is the Jamarcus Russell of politics. He is, he is the Achilles Smith of, of politics. This guy is the Tim Couch of politics. I mean, name any bust in the NFL and that is him times 10. He is the Kwame Brown of politics. That is who Ron DeSantis is. You know, 
That is who he is. You know, I mean, case in point. He is a guy that started off red hot. I mean, if you think about his polling numbers from the Florida governor election, this is a guy who barely won the Florida governor election and then was able to turn a swing state in Florida into a completely red state. And DeSantis has a lot to do with that. So the fact that he is trailing by nearly 30 points, by 30 percentile points to Donald Trump in the Iowa primary is insane to think about. If this was back two, three years ago, back in the COVID time, I think DeSantis would tie that of, say, Trump. I really do think so. I mean, I still think Trump will win, but I think the numbers would be more so closer than it is now. Right, right now it's 51-21. I would say if this was two, three years ago, it would be, say, 38, 34, 39, 33. I think then it would be like that. Maybe 40, yeah, maybe, maybe 40, 32. I think that's a more uh, realistic answer than the other two answers that I gave or predictions that I gave. But... I truly believe that if this, if this was during the COVID era, that that would be the result. It would be the result. Um, but yeah, I mean, overall, just horrendous on on DeSantis. I, I mean, just bad, just bad, you know, just just bad on on his part. I mean, this was, I mean, this was to be expected. We we've come to expect that Trump would win the Iowa primary. And the fact that it, it happened in that apparent fashion with the election being called 30 minutes after it was done, I, I mean, I, I think it really goes to show you that his stranglehold is still over the party. And whether people like it or not, he's going to be the he's going to be the nominee for the party. It, it, it's going to be it, it, it is what it is. It's it, I mean, but if you look at all the candidates that were running I mean, were they that much better than Trump? If we, if we really like, if we really think about it, like, was Ron DeSantis that much better than Trump? A guy who's like pro-Israel and will do everything in his power to help out Israel. Like, is that the guy who's better than Trump? Is Nikki Haley better than Trump? A person who's never met a war she didn't like. A person who basically is just a, a talking point for Raytheon. Is she really that much of a better candidate than Trump? A person that changed her name from Nimrata to Nikki to get more of a white vote. Is Vivekananda only a better candidate than Trump was? If you really think about it. You know, a guy who time and time again could not stand by the positions that he put out. And positions that he explicitly stated that he was in favor of. Do you think he's that much better than Trump? I don't know, man. I mean... I mean, when you look at Vivek Ramaswamy, I mean, he was basically their version of Pete Buttigieg, a guy that promised a lot and was very much a career opportunist, but didn't really have the positions to back up his claims and never really stood by his beliefs. You know, there were a lot of positions of Vivek Ramaswamy that I kind of dig or that I thought were quite different from the rest of the people that were running in office. I mean, he was a guy that, in my opinion, was critical of Israel and, and critical of, of what they were doing in the Middle East, but he was never really that vigilant about his critique. You know, it never felt as if he was very committed to his belief of of, of what was happening in the Middle East. And it, it always felt as if he was always being watched, sur like surveillance by, I don't know by who, you know, come up to your own conclusions with that maybe the cia you know fbi you know we are talking about you know we're all we are talking about you know the fbi and cia during mlk week which maybe the allegations of the fbi and cia killing mlk uh are, are quite fitting for this but you know it always felt as if he never really stood by the beliefs that he had you know it was always it always felt like he was like flip-flopping or shape-shifting and I think that's part of the reason as to why his campaign floundered, in, in my opinion. I, I felt like he was a guy that never really stood by his beliefs, and as a result, it affected him. Um, you know, so, yeah, overall, I mean, it's quite sad, you know, to see that happen. I mean, with the younger voters, Ramaswamy did well, 
But with the average voter that gets their news from like Fox News or from who knows from where, from what outlet, but for, for the average individual that doesn't really follow politics in that way, in, in, in a serious way or, or done through the internet or get their news from the internet, your average 50-year-old, 60-year-old individual that, you know, works a blue-collar blue job, they're not going to know anything about Vivek Ramaswamy, and why should they? So they're always going to vote for Trump. They're all, they're, they may vote for DeSantis if that's the case, but that's about it, you know? So, yeah, overall, I, I just think that Ramaswamy underperformed and... It's on him, man. I think it's on him. It's on him. I think it's on him for essentially just pulling a Pete Buttigieg, but done through the Republican lens, through the Republican aisle, through the, through the Republican Party, and that's what happens when you when you try and mimic Pete Buttigieg. You get a result similar to Pete Buttigieg. Um, so yeah, overall, that is that is that is Vivek Ramaswamy. But again, as I mentioned before, I'm not really enthused about. The presidential election. I'm. I'm not. I mean, who is a candidate that I can vote for? You know, like who is a candidate that can speak for me? You know, that that is for a, a more non-interventionist foreign policy, that is for universal health care. Like these are positions that I value. What candidate out there can speak on that? You know, to be honest with you, like the only policy that I really care about is a non-interventionist foreign policy. And even then, all the candidates that are still running right now have very off views about not only the Middle East, but just about war in general, right? Um, but the Middle East specifically, right? I think RFK Jr. has been very vocal about his support for Israel, which is very questionable. He's been good on the war thing, on the war issues, but in terms of Israel, not that great. Joe Biden, obviously, we know what has happened. I mean, I think he sent more drone strikes in, into Yemen or Somalia. I don't, I don't correct me if I'm wrong, but I think Biden also sent more drone strikes. I, I can check right now, but he did send like a drone strike like the other day or two. Yeah. Yemen, uh, Biden approved Yemen strikes after drone attack. Um, so not ideal, uh, not ideal. Um, Marianne Williamson has also been, been quite flimsy on the Middle East issue as well. Um, Donald Trump, we know about him, right? Uh, so again, I don't know who to vote for in 2024, and I'm probably just not going to vote in the election. I'm, I'm just not. If there's a guy that, I, and people may hate me for saying that, I, I, I don't care. You know, if, if none of the candidates speak for me, then why vo vote? You know, I live in a blue state as it is, right? Like I live in Mass, so. It doesn't matter who I vote for anyways, you know, because at the end of the day, we it's done through the electoral college system. So, you know, why would it matter who I vote for? You know, I don't know. It's weird. All this is weird. And uh, yeah, I'm I, I, I'm I'm bracing myself when I do stand up comedy now because it's not good when. Trump is running. It really isn't because for some reason, the audience is just tense up. They, they don't laugh at certain jokes, even if it has nothing to do with politics, just dark jokes in general. Audiences just don't really laugh at. Uh, it's tough. It's tough to perform when 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 Trump is in the news. It really is. It's tough. It is tough. You know, it feels like, I don't know, like everything's tense. You know, it feels like everything is tensed and, and no one can really operate in a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a way that is done through the lens of trying to be funny for, for, for the, the, the purpose of being funny. You know, it's, it's, it's the, the vibes are off, you know, when, when you see this happen. So um, overall, that's the Republican primary. I'm not really invested or really have any interest in running or not running <laughs> in, in, in voting uh, for any of the candidates that are still in the race and running. So that's all I can really say about the matter and issue.
before I log off and before I sign you guys off and, and get you ready into the weekend, I do want to give you an update on Djokovic. So, yes, he is winning the fourth set, and he's winning the match overall, two sets to one, three, two, as we are in the fourth set. So, yeah, it looks like Djokovic will win uh, his second-round match. But anyways, I think that's it for the podcast for you guys today. Um, no weekly pick for you guys. Uh, usually it's a Tuesday thing and it's a Thursday. So there, there's not really much for me to recommend. Um, I did watch Nerve again. If you guys don't know Nerve, it's that movie with Emma Roberts and Dave Franco. It's a movie that I watched back in 2016 when I was in high school and it's still a guilty pleasure of mine. I still like the movie. I still think it's a pretty good movie. MGK has a part in it. Uh, maybe tickets to my downfall. Uh, I have, I have mixed opinions on that album. I feel like my 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 opinions change on like a week to week basis based on what mood I am listening to the album. Um, but I was listening to, to tickets to my downfall, so maybe that's my weekly pick. I don't know. I don't know. Um, I still think that the album has its high marks, so sue me if you hate me. I don't know. I don't know. Don't sue me. I don't. I don't have that much money in my. I don't. I don't know why I said sue me. Uh, hate me if, if that's the case. But anyways, guys, I think that's it for the podcast for today. Guys, thanks so much for watching. Thanks so much for listening. Make sure you guys like, subscribe, and click the bell icon for notifications down below. Make sure you follow me on my podcast channel, my podcast clips channel, my stamp channel. Uh, also, follow me on my X, my Instagram, my TikTok. All the links are down in the description box below. Uh, if you want to rate and review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, you're more than welcome to. Give a five-star review on Spotify. Please, please, please. Uh, I think I'm still sitting on a 2.4. And if you know anything about the algorithm, if a thing gets a bad review, a, you are stuck. You you are stuck for a good few months. You are in, you are shadow banned. You are in uh, Instagram jail, YouTube jail, Spotify jail, and the algorithms do not like it when you are viewed negatively and unfavorably to the public. So please give me a five star review. I would die for that. I will uh, suck you off if that happens. Uh, but anyways, guys, uh, I think that's it for the podcast for today, guys. Thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure you continue to watch the Australian Open. I hope week two is better. Week two has got to be better for the Australian Open. But uh, anyways, guys, I think that's it for the podcast for today. So I'll see you guys on Tuesday. Avoid the bookings. Enjoy your weekend. Spend it with your family and friends. And I'll see you guys on Tuesday. All right, guys. Peace. See you all.